he went away to like a treatment facility and came back and he just like never drank again. And I remember thinking like, well, I don't, I don't know if he was really an alcoholic because, you know, isn't yeah. the path like a little less linear than that? Like, isn't there like some falling off the wagon that needs to happen or... You know, don't you have to blow your whole life up before you admit that you're an alcoholic? Like, we had a nice home. We had a normal childhood. We had all of, like, the normal things. Where every week we bring you real, raw, and unfiltered conversations. Designed to motivate and inspire you on your journey through motherhood, relationships, and career. We're your hosts, Alex. And Bella. Thanks for spending this time with us. Let's get into it. All right. Well, welcome. Today we have Jamie Francis and Dale Sheehan in the house. Two sisters who have a podcast of their own. Yeah, it's called Proof It's Possible. And, you know, we dropped the ball on getting their bios. So we're just going to let them introduce themselves. (laughs) So who wants to start? Lucky Alex. She doesn't get to read. I don't have to read. We always read. Dale, Dale, why don't you hit us up? Tell us a bit about yourself. You're coming live from Calgary, yes? Yes, yes, I am. I am based in Calgary, um, Alberta, Canada. I am an interior designer. I am a website designer. I've been in the interior design business for about 20 years. And I've had a really like full, happy, amazing career there. Um, I got into website design more as a COVID thing. And just because something, mm-hmm. I felt like all of my um, skills transferred from design to website design very easily. And it's something that's like almost the same principles, but like a quicker hit. And then Jamie and I have a podcast together, um, as well as we have a new little baby that we might uh, tell everyone about on your guys' oh, show today. But oh, she's dropping oh, this. She's yeah. two minutes I'm in. And we're spilling yeah. secrets. Okay. I'm a really bad secret keeper, and this yeah. has gone on too long. So anyways, and then I am a best-selling author. Amazing. Yeah. Well, welcome. Yeah. Welcome. Thank yeah. you. And I'm Jamie Francis. I live in Kelowna. Um, I'm a best-selling author. I, I always just say like, ditto, because we do everything together. So <laughs> right. I'm like, I'm also a best-selling author. I also am on a podcast. I'm also doing all the same things. As well. uh, I'm a business owner. I own six businesses with my husband. I am a mom of three. And yeah, public speaker. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Here's a fun fact. This weekend, we found out that Jamie's son and my son went to preschool together. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yes. Such a small world. Yeah. Yeah. It was world. funny. Small world. Stepping stones. Yeah. Best preschool. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. So we saw you guys at an event and you guys had an amazing story. Mm-hmm. Both of you sisters and uh but you tell it so well like how you guys intertwine i have twin girls uh who at this point will tell you that they don't like each other that they are not best friends although you know there's little signs that they actually are Mm -hmm. uh so tell us a little bit how you guys got started and tell us your stories because it was so beautiful and we just want to you know share with our listeners who didn't get to join anita at the event well, Dale and I have been, I don't think we went through that phase where we're like, we hate each other. Like every other sister duo that I know of is like, oh, in our teenage years, we were enemies. We never had that really. We were always like, it's me and her against mom and dad. Like no, we, were, right. we were always like a pack. Um, so I don't know. It was just like a pretty simple transition for us to be like, hey, let's do everything together. Let's do life together. Let's, mm. you know, be best friends as adults together. So yeah. yeah. Did but you I guys hang think- out as like, 
in high school and stuff? Were you friends? Oh, yeah. 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 Yep. yeah. How many we years? We had a... Apart. Two years. Two. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who do, a, older? Older. Who do you oh. think's older? Who do you think's older? Oh, is this a trick no, question? No, we're not going to answer that <laughs> no, question. No. We do it to my kids all the time. And they always get it Who do I wrong. think's older? I think Dale. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. You're right. That was one older sister to another. I knew. Yeah. <laughs> Um, the kids are so funny though, because they think, because I'm not a mom, I have to be a teenager. You're either a mm. kid, a teenager, or a mom. Those mm. are your choices. And I'm like, no, I'm an auntie's an adult. I also think, um, and I guess to answer your question about a little bit more about our story that we shared at the Wine, Women, and Wellbeing event mm-hmm. in Kelowna, where, we, where I met you guys. I think Jamie already knew you. Um, I Did have... I have been in a wheelchair since I was 16, and it was the result of a surgery that had gone wrong. And so what ended up happening was I had an underlying neuromuscular condition that the doctor didn't really realize. And then what he ended up doing was doing a surgery on me that I wasn't able to recover from just because Mm -hmm. of the neuromuscular disease, as well as he made mistakes. And so I was off my feet for a significantly longer amount of time. And what that did was it forced me from going, I walked into the hospital without using any aids or needing any extra help or anything to, um, but my body had been showing some weaknesses. Like I was walking on my toes and that's why I got the surgery. And so it made me leave the hospital in wheelchair. And after an extensive, like, trying to get my strength back and realizing that this disease basically doesn't allow for that. Mm. I had to like face my new life as a person in a wheelchair going forward at the very vulnerable age of 16. So now I am 21 or 20. (laughs) (laughs) I I didn't know we were lying. So I also lied. I also have a lying problem. Um, We're spilling secrets and lying here today. So She's 41 anyway. for everybody. I'm 41. <laughs> okay. So yes. now that I'm 41, I've had I'll lots of years to sort checker. it out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Just give, give Jamie a beeper and whenever I yeah. lie, she'll press the button. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So I've had lots of time to sort it out and there, you know, it's a long process. It's one of those things where when you're really hit with something super hard mm-hmm. and you're a kid still, you don't have the right skills. And so I went through a lot of ups and downs and all those kinds of things to get to like a great mindset, to get to a place where I was like, you know what, people, other people in that have this disease don't make it to five years old. That's sort mm-hmm. of the prognosis. Mm-hmm. And so because I'm 41, because I'm healthy, I am in a wheelchair. My uh, muscles do die a little bit every day, every year, every month, whatever. Um, That is its own sort of thing to manage going on as far as mindset goes. Mm -hmm. But it's why I needed tools and skills even more. So I've basically dedicated my life to making sure I'm the happiest, healthiest version of myself and sharing some of the ways Mm -hmm. that I can help other people do the same thing. Amazing. Yeah. So then what, when you say that you had, you know, to get in the mindset, you're at this vulnerable age of 16, when, what things had to happen, I guess, or what had to shift in your mindset to get to where you are now and how long, I know it's always like, I'm sure a work in progress, like anything in life, but Mm -hmm. how long did it take for you to be like, you know, this, I've come to uh, accept, this is my circumstance, this is where I'm at and I will change my mindset moving forward how what how did that happen 
Well, I'm a naturally very like happy and positive type of person. So luckily I had that on my side. And Mm. so I just had to look at it as like one step at a time. And what I always thought, like, I didn't know the term for this at the time, but like what I started doing was proving that it was possible. Essentially, that's exactly why Jamie and I named our podcast that because you have to have, you have to build self-trust. So like I had all these ideas and I call them my yeah buts. They were like, I would love to go to college, yeah, but I can't live on my own. I, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not independent. And then I am. Then I was like, well, I need to make money, yeah, but I can't get to work. I don't have a career. I'm not, you know, able to even get out of the car by myself. So, and then I'm like, well, what happens when, you know, when I got to the stage where I was like, well, I'd like to start dating because I'm, you know, in my 20s and I would, that's what everybody else is doing. That's what all my friends are doing. So I had all these stories about why I couldn't do the things that I dreamed of doing. And so I started with like the easiest one, which was just don't get left behind, go off to college. Your friends are all going off to college. So do it too. You'll figure it out. And with a ton of help from my parents, I took that step, accomplished that, finished college, did the thing. And then you get home and you're like, okay, well now I have to start over. I don't, now I don't know how to go to work. I could go to work, but I don't know how will I get out of the car? How will I manage to push myself in the snow? You know, all the little like logistical things that other people just hop out of their car and run in the place if it's cold. I'm like, well, I can't, I can't do that. So I, I had to try, I had Mm -hmm. to go out and do the actual thing. And I think that that's like such an ultimate lesson when you do have like a big, exciting, scary thing on your mind or on your heart is you can think about it all day. You can dream about it all day. You can see it in your mind. You manifest it. But until you start acting on those things, they mm-hmm. might as well not be in your brain. Because if you don't do the thing, it it will not happen. You have to meet, you know, the universe or God or whatever you believe in halfway. Yeah. And your half is trying, is going out there and mm-hmm. acting. Mm-hmm. And so I acted towards my goals. And then I saw like, okay, I... I did this one and then I did that one and then I had a job, you know, and I obviously the road to like getting here has been up, down, up, down, up, mm-hmm. down. But that's the the number one thing I could say is get out there and try. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. So, that's an amazing story. And then, you know, as a sister, obviously you went through something as well uh, because you were watching your sister Oh, yeah. Well, and I was like 14 at the time. So I was like, this is really scary and confusing. And I think you, at 14, I was just like putting so much trust in like the doctors and so Mm -hmm. much trust in my parents. And so I was just kind of following everybody else's lead. And I think because our parents are so like, they're such good advocates for her that I was like, as long as they're okay, I know it'll all be okay. Like whatever that looks like, I have no idea because you're 14 and you have no control over anything. But I was like, as long as they're okay, then I know we'll all be okay. And so that's just kind of, I had to like blindly believe that it would mm-hmm. all just like pan out. Mm-hmm. And it did. Yeah. Well, and I also think that that's part of why we stayed so close is because yeah, luckily Jamie's like a great human being. So she wasn't like, oh, you know, mom and dad need to help you all the time. And everything's about you now. She was very like... um, you know, she was into her, like, getting her first job and having boyfriends and doing her teenager stuff. So she didn't mind that they were turning a blind <laughs> eye and they were maybe a little busy. Right. And was, you know, it gave her, like, a, a little more freedom than even she probably realized at the time. But also, um, 
I did need her help all of a sudden. So I used to be the the older sister that was like, you know, the leader or whatever. And then all of a sudden I'm like, can you help push me? Can you bring me into the Mm -hmm. school? Can you, Mm -hmm. let's drive to school together. You know, like we weren't. And also our parents didn't let us not be friends with each other a little bit. Like Mm -hmm. one time I remember saying that I wasn't going to drive her to school because we were fighting in the morning. (laughs) And my mom's like, "Uh, yeah, you are, or else you're not driving yourself to school either. You can walk. You both can walk. So I was like, okay, we're friends again. Get in my car. I love that. (laughs) And do you, Jamie, you have your three kids. Do you feel like your kids are friends? Like, has that... It's been a long road. (laughs) (laughs) I think they are now. I think um, three is always a different dynamic than two. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I didn't grow up with a third sibling. So I like it was all new to me. And then we are the same sex. So I think that you naturally have more in common with same-sex siblings and so adding a boy, like I have two girls and a boy. Mm-hmm. And so my dream was that the two girls, they're the two older, that they would just like fall in love with each other and be very best friends. And then that that didn't happen. Like when the older one, she was almost jealous of the middle child when mm-hmm. she arrived. And that was like a whole new thing for me. I'm like, you need mm-hmm. to sort this out. And now that they're older, I would say that they're so close and they're very much like, would go to bat for each other. And if someone's having trouble at school, the other one steps in and like, mm. it's just, it's so sweet, but it has not been like a a smooth road. And how old are your kids? They're 10, 8, and 6. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Mine are 11 going on 17. So the, the twins exactly. are... <laughs> I know. That, that 10, 11 age. Ooh. Yeah. I so, But I, I do. I do feel like when... It's funny because when they are together... For the most part, they're friends. But you add a friend in the mix, it's like a war because they're fighting for the attention of the other ones, right? So um, we're trying something new this year where we either invite two friends or send for playdates is one will go and hang out with that friend so they can have a bonding experience instead of them coming as a pack. Right, because it's yeah, like oh, sure. the twins. It's always oh, the twins, the twins. There, there's no identity. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Well, also and, they look alike, right? So yeah. then people are just so, like, I think you just for maybe people forget or they're not thinking about it. But like somebody said at Holland recently, they were like, because I was talking to Kaylee and I was like, okay, thanks, Kaylee. And somebody was like, how can you tell them apart? I'm like. Well, how can you not? They're not the same person, so try harder. Like, just try harder. (laughs) They're not the same people. Yeah, But people are so quick to be like, no, you're the same person. You like the same things. It's hard. I I feel like with my son, too, if you add him into the mix, my girls will play nice all day together. Mm -hmm. And then if my son comes home from hockey or something, it's like it just upsets the apple cart because the middle child will play with both her brother or her sister, because she's right. the middle. So she yeah. can either play up or down. Whereas the oldest and the youngest are like oil and water and they will never play together. And then they have this like, I don't know, this fight for who gets the middle child. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a uh, nice for the middle chair because usually the middle child is no, always forgotten. She's also, no, she's also the like punching bag. Like, oh, yeah. not actually punching me yeah, but yeah. if they want to blame anyone they immediately go to her I'm like no she's so sweet stop that <laughs> stop that oh. and also like the energy of I didn't like when everyone was always like oh boys and girls are are different and then I have a boy and a girl I'm like wow they really Ooh. are and the energy Ooh. level is just different and the way they express anger and frustration is can be different. The amount of calories they need to burn in yes. a day like my son he if he's not running the equivalent of a marathon every single day 
watch out because he will be like, you know, destroying things and wrecking the house and yeah. throwing cars and doing things. Whereas the girls are content to like read a book and <laughs> play color. a board game and yeah. color. And I'm like, yeah, this is more my this yeah. is more my style. Yeah. Yeah. I always compare like girls and this is bad, uh, but I'm gonna do it anyways, because this is real, raw, and unfiltered. So you be unfiltered. <laughs> to dogs, where you know, the girls are those little uh, do- like yappy as hell but they're they don't need like that energy right like they can do walk and all that kind of stuff for, for me, not all I'm just blanketing but majority of the time they can sit and do their thing mm-hmm. yaki 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 and then there's the wild dogs the bigger ones that need all that energy if not they'll destroy the house exactly like you said right yes. so yeah for it's, sure and it's so it's all about your perspective and what you're used to. We were a girl family. So we mm-hmm. really get the girl house vibes. Like right. yeah. we get that it's highly emotional. There's lots of crying over things that aren't necessarily cry worthy, mm-hmm. but they're feeling sad about it. And my husband didn't come from like a really emotional family. So he's like, oh my gosh, the crying. And he doesn't <laughs> even notice that Jamie's youngest, the little boy, is as wild as I see him as being like, cause he's mm-hmm. like, well, no, that's what little boys do. Like mm-hmm. they have to act like that. Like it's in their DNA. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, but <laughs> the girls are so much easier. He's like, no, they're not. They're crying all the time or they're, you know, like yeah. upset about something. And that right. makes him more uncomfortable mm-hmm. than, so it's just interesting. And yeah. we don't have kids. So we're like, you're yeah. your best guys. You're all doing yeah. great. You're like, I mean, my, yeah, my husband is amazing. Is just yeah. moving back into an all girls household because he was working out of town for a, a long right. time, two and a half years, and you know, so he was gone Monday to Friday, and then we, he would come home and be the weekend dad, and you know, trip here and there. We would visit, but now he's full on, like in the house again and the girls are two and a half years older so when he left to take that job I mean they weren't where they are now you know Mm -hmm. they're pre-pubescent like they're starting to spot their boobies are growing they're sweating like they're it's coming you know Mm -hmm. the period is about to come up and bestow us so you know the hormones are raging raging. and now he's moving in and my mom lives with us as well right so it's me my mom who's a unicorn and you know she's retired and she she likes to talk and think out loud all the time (laughs) and like she doesn't listen like my children and then there's me who's like controlling the whole you know shebang and you know I'm 43 years old and I mean my hormones are changing and now the girls hormones are changing I'm like oh my gosh let's you know pray and uh, (laughs) that he survives the next 10 years with all women in the house. Totally. You know? Totally. For sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. I grew up in a house that had, I had two sisters and then I also had two stepsisters. So it was like oh a my. lot of girls. Wow. It was girl-tastic. Mm-hmm. Wow. So I, like when we were all teenagers, it was just, there was a lot of crying, like you said, Dale. Mm. Sometimes there mm. was tears about all the things. Yeah. Nothing. <laughs> yeah. And everything And everything all, all wrapped yeah. into one. And yeah. both myself and my husband are only children. So at that, we did not grow up with siblings. Our parents, the grandparents, don't have experience in parenting simb- siblings. So we have no clue, none of us, what the hell yeah. we're doing. And then you <laughs> throw the identical twin thing, identity yeah, crisis, like all it. that stuff. Ooh. Ooh, I'm telling Ooh, you. Lot. I am. We'll pray for both of you. Thank you. That's why I'm <laughs> off dry oh, January. <laughs> People I'm are currently like, <laughs> just feeling for everybody. 
yeah. involved. You're all doing a good job. <laughs> so you were you you kind of spilled something there uh, at the very beginning. What oh, yeah. was that all about? Oh, oh yeah, Dale. Yes. Dale? You were going to tell. Let Jamie tell. You tell. You tell. Okay. So, um, proof it's possible mm-hmm. is doing this brand new thing that we're super excited about. It's called the ultimate girls trip. So mm-hmm. it's a mix of like dream building and business um, kind of masterminding mixed with like the most fun you can have with your best friends. Mm, and so we just uh, kind of birthed this out of the like desire to go on a girls trip and then it sold out immediately. And now we are ready to share it with the world. So it's a very, very exciting and there's going to be many more trips to come, but so yeah. what's this trip? Where are you going? What are you Scottsdale, doing? Scottsdale, oh, Arizona in April. And we have rented like this stunningly beautiful house with like, uh, does it have a mini golf course in the backyard? Mm. Yeah, a little, yeah. Yeah. A little like oh, mini cute. golf course in the backyard and a pool. And Ooh. it's just like the most amazing, fun looking house on planet Earth. And then we have all these really cool things planned. So that sounds very nice. excited. Yeah, yes. we're super excited about it. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. That's we'll cool. have to... Learn Get a little bit more because uh, yeah. I do believe. Join the waiting list. Yeah, right. Yeah. We, uh, I do believe that, you know, women, uh, because we take on so many roles uh, from the very early stages, uh, we're conditioned uh, to be a certain, you know, a, a good girl, uh, you know, a good student, a good Good girlfriend, wife, good, good, mother. Wife, good mother. We we tend to lose ourselves, um, and that's you know we keep going back to this midlife awakening versus midlife crisis. Once you know the kids are a little mm-hmm. bit older, and you start looking in and saying, "Is this it? Is this who I am? Where where did me go?" Mm-hmm. So I do really strongly believe that I do girls trips minimum once a year, and I don't need like a week. I just need a Thursday to a Monday. Where I am not a mother, mm-hmm. I am not a wife. I'm just me. I'm not a cook. I'm not a cleaner. Mm-hmm. I'm I, and it's just for, I'll do what I want to do. I want to hang out with you, ladies. But if I want to sleep in, I'm gonna sleep in. If mm-hmm. I want to go shopping, I'm gonna go shopping. If I don't want to, I will not, mm-hmm. because I need exactly. to tune into who I am, and that's how we find ourselves. Is when we give ourselves permission and space, and let those parts you know, not go, but put them to the side and just have those weekends where we can connect as, you know, women and and ourselves are so important. So I'm so happy you guys are doing that. that It is. Yeah. Yeah. We're super excited about it. And I like, you stole the words right out of my mouth. As a mother, I do feel like I completely lost myself. Everybody needs so much of you when you're Mm -hmm. in, especially in the early stages of motherhood, like where you're like, they need me to eat and change Mm -hmm. their diaper and do all the things. And then that's just like the stepping stones of where it leads you. Because next it's like, well, they need you to sign their agenda and make their lunches and have you filled out the permission form. Drive them here, drive drive them them there. Get them to all their sports and make sure their skates are sharp. And, you know, there's just all these things that are required of you. And you kind of just out of necessity put yourself on the back burner. Mm -hmm. And it's remembering that it's okay to bring you back to the front. Like, you matter too. Mm -hmm. And I find after a weekend away I'm so much better of a human being like I'm a better wife I'm a better mother after I've had that little break and that reprieve from like being everything for everybody Mm -hmm. I can come back refreshed and like okay I'm excited to be around you guys again I'm excited to like get your cereal for you in the morning whereas Mm -hmm. before you know I was a little bit resentful like yeah you're like oh "Oh, this again again? like yeah yeah so 
I'm just excited for all the women that have like jumped in and are willing to do this for themselves and to grow their businesses and to remember that they do have dreams. Cause that's the other thing is that not only do the day-to-day tax tasks pull us away from like, you know, who we are on the inside, but they also really remove us from like that dream building phase like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. What, what do I want out of this life yeah. phase? Cause you're just in the thick of like survival, yeah. like surviving oh, yeah. everything. And then, um, I want everyone to have that opportunity to go mm-hmm. away and say like, oh yeah, I did have a dream to write a yeah. book yeah. or a podcast. Like, I don't know if you ladies get this, but we get it all the time. Oh, I've always wanted to start a podcast. Well then start the podcast. Yeah, then do but it. Yeah. They need yeah. that space and that belief in themselves. And mm-hmm. until they have that belief in themselves, they can borrow it from us or the other women in the room or whatever mm-hmm. that looks like. So um, we're thrilled. Well, that is yeah, that's, exciting. Well, and that's exactly what I was going to say about it, why it's important too to do these kinds of trips is because sometimes when you like say to your husband, like, I'm going to do this new thing, they're like very analytical or they're, they don't understand it because they don't believe that people would be interested in that because they're not really interested in the thing that you're thinking of doing or whatever. Um, and you need to be around people who are also dreamers, mm-hmm. who also believe in you, who with everything inside of them can like see you doing that and know you'll be great at it. And you will get to borrow their excitement for you around it because we don't always have the right people in our immediate circles mm-hmm. to be our champion because they're scared for us too. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah. they're like, well, how much is this going to cost? And like, what? What if nobody buys? And like they go into all of the, like I was saying before, kind of yeah buts yeah. on your behalf. And you're like, listen, I, I've got enough of my own doubts. I don't need you filling mm-hmm. my head up with your doubts as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's nice to get to dream in a space that everybody's like, yeah, girl, go get mm-hmm. it. You go know, get you can it. do yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And I think what you're saying is so true about people in our closer circles sometimes not being the best people for our business goals and dreams when we lay them on the table. Mm-hmm. It's like, because they are just so close to it that like you're saying, it's all the, oh, but have you thought of this expense or the this, but, 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 and then suddenly your dream that you have just feels crushed. like it's crushed, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you exactly. start believing it because you're like, yeah. you're right, I thought about that and now you're pointing it out again. So it must so be true. It must be true. Yeah. And you're like, confirmation, confirmation, mm-hmm. don't do it. But when you surround yourself with people who have either done it or are doing something similar, then they're like, yeah, you can do this. This yeah. makes total sense for you. And suddenly exactly. you believe yeah. a different story. It is. It's yeah. yeah. Like, and circling back to the dreaming again, you know, we do, it's, it's funny because at one point, uh, my husband and I, we used to sit in our tub and that was our dreaming sessions, right? We'd have a glass of wine and we'd talk and dream about all the things that we wanted to do and, and have and be and so on and so forth. At some point, we realized a year and a half ago, it's like, hey, we, we actually stopped dreaming. Mm-hmm. Because right. again, the like the motherhood, the moving, the like we had renos, we like moves, like all the stuff, new job. You just stop dreaming. Mm. You don't allow it, and then you forget. We said, we're like, how do we dream again? Like it took us a couple of baths for us to even <laughs> start. <laughs> yeah, no, a couple of baths for us to even start that conversation. It's like, how do we dream? Like, what are our dreams? Like, where did we stop? Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. We acknowledged everything that we've done, which was amazing for what, you know, we decided. We we said, I'm moving from Edmonton. We're going to Kelowna. I told my husband, actually, I'm like, I'm leaving. Uh, you can come if you want. I'm taking the children. I can't be here anymore. Uh, and then he's like, yeah, what do you want? I'm like, a ticket. 
uh, to Kelowna and a realtor and a for sale sign on my house. And that's what we did. <laughs> and literally, you know, March was my birthday. And by May, we were already uh, like in the thick of like selling the house and packing. And, and then July, we moved to Kelowna. Mm. Well, yeah. Wow. And we had no plan. But because we started dreaming and we were open to it, stuff started manifesting and stuff like the universe like oh you need a a contract to get you you know here you go husband he got poached to come and do this thing and then I started meeting this you know all these ladies in this amazing community and starting to grow and manifest what we're doing today. And I think that's so important to like a a point to share is that like saying it out loud it your dreams can't live in your head yeah. mm-hmm. they can't be there exactly. forever and as soon as you say it out loud then you, the universe starts conspiring in your yeah. favor and it starts opening doors for mm-hmm. you and it starts giving you new jobs and opportunities yeah. and new friendships that get you a little bit closer to that goal but if it's just inside your head mm-hmm. no one even knows no it knows. exists yeah not yeah, you gotta be the speak best it, idea in the world. And then you have to take action because mm-hmm. even though you're speaking it, if you're not actually taking the steps yes. to get you closer, no matter how small, teeny tiny steps they are, you have to make uh, this, yeah, just falling apart. Um, yeah, just taking those steps. Um, and then that's when the universe is like, oh, they are serious about this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, she really wants to. Okay. Move there. So there. I put it out there and man, was I scared? Hell yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh. I mourned the, my house because I loved my house in Edmonton. Same girl, same. Right? <laughs> like, and I was just like, oh my gosh. My like, all these thoughts, you know, were coming in, but the dream was bigger than the thoughts and the self-doubt. That's yeah. right. Mm-hmm. You know, and well, then and you- I remember. I also feel like it's one of those things that like, I know what season I'm in. Mm -hmm. So sometimes I am in a do the work season and I'm not dreaming. I'm like, I, I dreamt, 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 and now it's coming true. Mm -hmm. So I have to actually put in the work and I do the work season and I, you know, get, get the tasks done. You get the move done, you get the, whatever it is done. And then that's when there's space again, once all the work is, not all the work is done, mm-hmm. but you've got to, you've got on top of whatever that goal was, whatever yeah. it looks like. And then you get to jump back into dreaming again mm-hmm. and then dream something new, but it can't, you have to remember to jump back into the dreaming yeah. so that you, mm-hmm. you don't, didn't have one dream and then let yourself kind of s- stop Stay and, and work get stagnant out. again. Yeah. 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 I think I'm in a work mode. I, that's funny that you yeah. say this today because- I just have so many ideas. And then today, like yesterday, I was planning out my week. I'm trying to time block better. And I was like, Alex, you just need to do the work now. You have all Mm -hmm. this work to do because you wanted this work. You wanted these projects. You just have to do them. So I'm glad you confirmed that for me too. And there's some like, there's so much good in the work because you know what the work can do? It pays you money. Yeah. Which Mm -hmm. like I know as women, we're not really supposed to say, oh, I love making money. But guess what? You know, I love making money. I think you are supposed to say it. I think we're taught yeah, not to say it. But like even Bonita, mm-hmm. who I brought up earlier, I guess she's on my mind. But she was like, it is great to be good at a skill, but then also to monetize that skill mm-hmm. and be able to give back to the universe and also like give back to your family and your life. So want the money. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And money buys you the opportunity to keep dreaming. It buys you the opportunity to have time freedom. It it gives Mm -hmm. you all of these great opportunities. We live in a money world. Like without money, you can't do much. So it it shouldn't be wrong to make it or want it or desire Mm -hmm. it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Amazing. 
So tell us about, speaking of dreams, like when did you just sit down one day and you guys thought, you know what, we're going to do a podcast? How did this dream come to me? I was like not... It was never a dream of mine. <laughs> I, did it, mine I did it kicking and screaming. I went to this mastermind um, that was totally amazing and transformative. And I was like, I had just started my business about helping the loved ones of addicts. And all these people in the room were like, you have to write a book and start a podcast. And I was like, oh, I'll write the book. I am not mm-hmm. starting the podcast. So that's what I started to do. I started to write the book. And I was like, this is my goal for the year. I'm going to write a book and I'm going to share my story and it's going to help other people. And then in writing the book, everyone's like, okay, so how are you going to market the book? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> Marketing's not my forte. And then one of the girls that was at it was like, you need a podcast. You need a podcast. You need a podcast. And she was just relentless. And she's mm-hmm. a good friend of mine. And I was like, honestly, just to get you off my back, I'm going to start the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but then I never actually signed the contract and I never jumped in. And then Dale and I went to a different um, kind of dream building event. And we were listening to one of the speakers on stage and we were sitting side by side and I just wrote the name of the podcast on the notebook that was kind of in between us. And I was like, we need a podcast. Like mm-hmm. it was just like the universe hit me with like a thousand ton message that like, this is what it's called and this is what needs to happen. And wow. within like a couple of weeks, we just started a podcast. Mm-hmm. And how long have you guys had it now? When did we start? Like We August. started the first week in August. So it's like, I think we've had, we have like about 25 episodes only. Cool. Well, yeah. you're on the well, right path. Yeah, where- I, I loved it. I listened to it last week. I'm doing this walking thing where I listen to a podcast to make the walk go by. <laughs> and um, I really loved it. I'm excited for this week's episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you. We awesome. appreciate Thank it. You. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we do. And I read your book. Um, your book is really good. I want to read your book too, Dale. I read Jamie's you. book. Thank you. I cried a little bit. I just thought it was a great story. Like, I mean, it's your story, but it was, you were just so vulnerable and you just, it was really well written. I really Thank thought you. it was great. Thank mm. you. I read pot, like audible books. So unless Alex is reading, cause she ha- like, she has this ability, like amazing skill to read 10 times faster than most people. So she can hammer out books. Um, me, I listen. I can hammer out the listening book. So <laughs> next on my dream list is to put it on an Audible. Audio book. Yeah. Well, Ryan can help you with that. Guys. Yeah. Well, yeah. look at the universe <laughs> conspiring yeah. in my favor. Right. Exactly. We just talked about this, that we both have to get that done. It's got to happen. It's on our to-do list. So yeah. let uh, give us a little bit of a snippet of what the, your, like, the juice and meat and potatoes of your book. And then we'll go to... Um, the my book is about my life loving an addict so my dad is an alcoholic he went into recovery really early on well I was young I think I was a young teenager and I remember thinking like what no he's my dad too by the way (laughs) oh my gosh that's what you said also on the last podcast because you Jamie was my dad he's my dad too well and like the thing is Jamie has blonde hair and blue eyes. I have black hair and like dark eyes. So people already assume like, you're not real sisters though. So whenever she says, my dad, this, my dad, that, I'm like, it's yeah. my dad too. <laughs> we have the same mom and dad in case yeah, anyone needs clarity. Um, and Carry I, on. I remember he went, he went away to like a treatment facility and came back and he just like never drank again. And I remember thinking like, well, I don't, I don't know if he was really an alcoholic because, you know, Isn't the path like a little less linear than that? Like, isn't there like some falling off the wagon that needs to happen? Or, you know, don't you have to blow your whole life up before you admit that you're an alcoholic? Like we had a nice home. We had a normal childhood. We had all of like the normal things. And so I was really confused about alcoholism for a long time. 
And then I met my husband and things were great and we had a great relationship. And and then um, his his drinking just like progressed. And it mm-hmm. was, he was always like a very kind man to me. So it was not like he was like abusive and he always had a job and he always showed up to work. He never had, you know, what I believe to be like the signs of an alcoholic, which was like drinking out of a paper bag, you mm-hmm. know, a Mickey straight first thing in the morning and you're homeless because you don't have any family because you've burned every bridge. And that's not what his life looked like, but he had to admit that like alcohol just wasn't serving him anymore. So mm-hmm. he went away to rehab and um, it kind of just started this whole, I don't know, uncovering of what it was like to love an addict because it, at times it was just so tumultuous. I spent so much of my life just searching for clues that he was drinking again and mm-hmm. like searching the house and checking the garbages and scouring and smelling his breath and getting in close to see if I could smell a hint of alcohol. Like my life had been so manipulated and I was so manipulative in my actions that I was like, this is toxic. This Mm -hmm. is so, so toxic. And I um, just share the story of what it's like to love an addict because lots of people when someone says like, I'm an addict and then they're off to rehab, everyone really like rallies around them and fluffs them up and is like, what can we do to help you? Mm-hmm. And I felt really alone in in being at home with all three kids and being, you know, the caregiver for these children mm-hmm. and having to keep the house in order and having to make sure the businesses were running. I'm like, woohoo, what about me? Like, mm-hmm. I, I'm the one who's really struggling. He's on a cushy vacation at rehab and here I am all by myself. And so I just wanted... um people to realize that there's this whole struggle that happens with the loved ones too. And they don't all look like mine. Like the struggle is always different, but that there is a struggle in loving an addict too. And there are so many dysfunctional uh, personality traits that you pick up in your like desire for survival, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, And like emotional survival more than anything that you, that you become accustomed to that just can't serve you forever. They might've served you in that moment, but they just can't serve you forever. So it was like just finding that happiness all over again and like letting go of the anger and the resentment and all of the things that had come out of his drinking and being like, my life is my life and I got to make it big and bold and beautiful and amazing and happy because no matter what happens with him, I'm still me. Like I'm Mm -hmm. still me and I can either have a great life or a really shitty life. And it's my decision to choose that. So that's what my book is about. And I hope that um, people that are going through it lit read the book or listen to the book mm-hmm. one day uh, and feel a little bit less alone if that's the situation they find themselves in. Or if you're just curious because you might know somebody who loves an addict or you're just curious what the chaos looks like in the mind of someone who loves an addict. Um, so yeah, mm. that's yeah. it. No, yeah, <laughs> it's a really good book. I highly yeah. recommend it for sure. And just so the listeners know, because people are always very, very curious, I'm still married to the same guy. He is sober and we're very happy and have a great life, but... <laughs> Yeah, hey, the beginning. The ending, <laughs> I was no, going to say the, yeah. no, the beginning. No, that, yeah, and I think I your book opens with you talking about kind of the whole questioning the stigma around addiction, like white collar addiction, all that that people talk about, and it is true. Like I think I told you, I've been thinking a lot about a friend of mine who, as a um, kid, she was kind of labeled the kid with a dad who was an alcoholic because her dad lived on the wrong side of the tracks. He drank every night out of a Mickey. Mm-hmm. He, Her mom died of an overdose from drugs. And then on the other side of town, you had my parents who went to golf club events and country mm-hmm. clubs, would come home slosh quite a bit, but that wasn't considered an addiction versus 
in people's mind, right? Yeah. So I love how right off the hop, you challenge the stigma of, you know, yeah. what it means. What is, what is not. What is addiction? What yeah. is a drinky problem? What yeah. is alcoholism? Mm-hmm. All of that, so. Well, our, our dad used to say, I just have an expense account to do do it with. So it looks better, you know, like it, because he wasn't a drinker that drank every day even. He sometimes won't, like, I think he only averaged probably three days a week, but when he started he drinking, he didn't stop. So although it was a nice bottle of wine at a customer client lunch, he wasn't making it to dinner at home on time that mm-hmm. night, very likely, um, because he would then go to the hockey game and then he would do, you know, he'd stick with this client all day drinking and he didn't have that off switch. Mm-hmm. And he, for him, that was his definition of it not working for him. Like, mm-hmm. he's like, if I can't say, okay, I can have the two glasses of wine and then leave and go home and finish my day or my night or a glass of wine, that's not how his brain works. So he's like, for me, this does not mm-hmm. work. Yeah. No, I like that you ch- challenge the stigma his, about it. His number one thing was that people said, well, you're not an alcoholic. Because if you're an alcoholic, I drink more than you. My dad's like, yeah, but it's not my, my definition isn't necessarily your definition. You have to decide for yourself. Yeah. It's about how, how is it impacting your life? For yeah. Sure. I think it's the impact and how, you know, you're showing mm-hmm. up mm-hmm. Um, where exactly. you need to decide. Nobody can decide for you. It's mm-hmm. when, when have you had enough? Mm-hmm. When do you exactly. feel like you need mm-hmm. help? You know? And it's so interesting because people often, when we're around and if they know our story, they feel very judged. Like mm-hmm. they're like, you know, oh God, I don't want to order a second glass of wine in front of you or whatever. And it's yeah. like, my husband is honestly the exact opposite of that. Like he's always like, no, you do, you do mm-hmm. you. I have no judgment because I only worry about me. Like, and I would say he does such a good job of like, keeping his side of the street, his side of the street. Mm-hmm. He doesn't care if you have 400 drinks, if that's mm-hmm. what is best for you or you think is best for you. He's like, it's not my job to to label you as anything. Police, yeah. Police yeah. how much you're drinking. So don't yeah. worry about doing it in my presence. But mm-hmm. yeah, for sure. Cool. And Dale, what's your um, book about? Tell the people. My book is um, my story of being in a wheelchair at the age of 16 and just getting a hold of my mindset and my my limiting beliefs that came with that. And so, like I mentioned a little bit before, I, um, I had what I call yeah buts, which are, yeah, but you can't do this now. You mm-hmm. can't, you're not going to have a career. You're not going to get to get, fall in love and get married. You're not going to... Um, be healthy. Like, because all of a sudden when you're 16, you have the eating habits of a kid, you sit down in a wheelchair for the rest of your life. I gained a whole bunch of weight. I did not know how to eat properly. I did not know how to get any of the weight off once I gained it. Um, so I had all these different areas of my life that were super important to me in order to be my best self. I wanted a career I loved. I wanted to be a healthy, happy, um, as healthy as I possibly could be within the body that I have. So there's certain things like, I mean, my dream, I could put, put on my list, like I want to run a marathon, but I can't run. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I had to stay within my limitations Mm -hmm. of what does healthy look for you now? So that meant the things that I could control were the food that I ate. You know, I can't work out at the gym for two hours a day, but I can work out for 10 minutes a day or 15 minutes a day. Um, So I do the things that I could do. And I just walk people through my story. I tell dating stories. Mm -hmm. I talk about the guys that I dated. I talk about having to like tell guys that I was in a wheelchair, you know, and like, 
go on a blind date with mm-hmm. them. So it's very, very personal. And it's all the things that scare all of us realistically. Mm-hmm. Like I mm-hmm. had the wheelchair as the like outward um, yeah, but story that could be the safety net, the catch all for everything I was like going through. But truthfully, all, all this stuff is just as vulnerable and just as scary for all of us. Mm -hmm. Like if you're newly single, all of a sudden at like 35 or 40, jumping back into the dating world feels just as scary as it did for me when I had to jump into it the first time in my twenties, because it's unknown. It's uncomfortable. It's vulnerable. You don't, nobody likes rejection. Nobody likes to find out that something they can't change about themselves. Maybe someone doesn't like, Mm -hmm. I don't know, you know, Mm -hmm. like all the scary things. So, and I felt that way about all the different areas that I felt like needed change in my life, which was my career, my health, as well as my, relationship situation and just building confidence through all of those things and building the self-trust that I was capable of having exactly the life that I wanted. And it takes everybody through the process of how I got it. Mm-hmm. Amazing. I'm excited yeah, to read yeah. it. I'm excited yeah. too. I'm excited to also start our project. I don't know if you guys heard, but we are doing uh, Let's Not Sugarcoat It um, stories. So we're going Ooh. to have 15 to 20 amazing women write Ooh. a chapter. That is um, fun. And uh, yeah, so we're really yeah. looking forward to starting. That's our new and exciting thing that's happening along with Let's Not Sugarcoated Talks, which we will provide a stage for these women to come and share their stories Amazing. on stage as well. And yeah, that's so, so exciting. good, you guys. Kind of, yeah, I yeah. love it. We're excited. So yeah, we're really grateful that you guys are here and sharing your stories. You guys, you know, are very empowering. We love listening to you at events. And so yeah, don't stop doing what you're doing. And I, yeah, I'm looking forward to finding out more a little bit about those girls trips. Cause I mean, yeah, I know it's every great. lady <laughs> needs a ladies night. Mm-hmm. For sure. We'd love so, to have you on one. Yeah. Um, is that, are we done? That's we're at the end. I don't know. I can't uh, see I don't know the, the time. time. So Ryan. Oh yeah. Okay. To... Well, here's the, we usually end with a few rapid fire questions. So, okay. First of all, of the two of you, you know, sisters, Who's the one who's going to like die on a stand being like, no, I am right. Even if they know that they're wrong, they're just the one who's going to be like, I'm right. I don't, I don't know. We're you're both ne- pretty like self-aware. Oh, like, good. I like it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm probably like more. <laughs> we The thing about us is if it's like against each other, we're like willing to talk it all through. But if it's against somebody else, <laughs> oh, we'll both die. We're basically <laughs> linked arms and we will both die. Okay, yeah. I love it. We're forever on each other's team. Yeah, oh, that's nice. awesome. And then what do you think um, one lesson that your parents taught you that you kind of really carry forward in your life right now, both of you, what do you have on that? Hmm, one lesson. Yeah, you go. Um, well, I I mean, the thing about our parents is they're pretty amazing. So they taught us a lot about a lot of things that I we both, I think, live in our life to this day. But I, for me, I think that my, our parents have a really, really, like, open home. And what what I mean by that is that they get along well and the times in their life that they haven't got along well, they like worked on it to get along well. And then their home is very open to other people and friends and family. Mm -hmm. And so they're always hosting people. They're always like 
open to having someone come stay or whatever. So we got this like idea that the more the merrier, the bigger the celebration, the better, you know, life's meant to be lived. Mm. Like they've always like kept us like connected to people. And so I don't know, I don't know how to like articulate that as being a, a whole lifestyle and mindset, but my, yeah, they, I would have to do two. Yeah. I would agree with all of that. I would have to do my mom and dad separately. Okay. My mom was like a bit of a trailblazer. And in the eighties before it was like new age parenting, (laughs) she was like, see ya kids. Uh, it's my night to go do whatever, whatever Mm -hmm. I want. And so her and her friends would like go for dinner and do stuff. Like she was like not taking no for an answer. (laughs) So looking back, I'm like, wow, like two days a week, she did not care if I like scream cried at her feet Mm -hmm. and was like, don't leave. (laughs) She was like, see ya, have a nice night. It's, I'm not sticking around Well, and we would say, we would say like, why are you leaving us? She's like, I'm leaving you with your dad, who's the most capable person on the planet (laughs) to care for you. So (laughs) I'm not leaving you. Like, so that like independent, like, you know, put your own mask on first mentality. I was Mm -hmm. like, oh man, I could really use a little of that. So that was a great lesson. And then my dad is very like business minded. Like he's Mm -hmm. a huge risk taker and he's like, if you don't go for it, you'll never have it. So Mm -hmm. just go for it. So I, I think those are the two biggest lessons that kind of like resonate with me still to this day. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, where can people find you both? They can listen to our podcast. Proof it's possible. Okay. Um, my book is called Looking for Proof. Dale's book is called Yeah. Yeah, but what if you're happy? Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, you can find us. Mm-hmm. My Instagram is Jamie D. Francis. And mine is Dale underscore Sheehan underscore designs. Hey, okay, well, perfect. We will have and that we'll link that. Yeah. 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 But thank you both for being here today. Yeah. Thank you yeah. so much. Thank uh, you so much for yeah. having us. It's, it's been fun. so fun. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so Till next time. Bye. Bye. We hope you enjoyed today's episode and that you feel more empowered, moved, and inspired. Be sure to check out the show's description and follow us on social media at Let's Not Sugarcoat It Podcast on both Instagram and Facebook. Also, check out our YouTube channel where you can view and subscribe to our latest episodes. What you have to say matters, so send us your feedback and ideas on what you'd like us to talk about so we can serve you better. And remember, motherhood is a team sport. 